morning, everyone. I'm Casey Hughes, and I'm your host of SpireCast, where we bring you conversations that help you thrive in ministry. And today we're going to be starting a two-part conversation talking with Dave Stone and Kyle Eidelman about healthy pastoral succession. For 30 years, Dave preached and served at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. During his last 13 years, he was the senior pastor. In 2019, Dave passed the baton of senior pastor to Kyle Eidelman, where Kyle has preached and served at Southeast since 2002. Welcome, Dave and Kyle. We are so excited to be having these conversations with you. Hi, Casey. Good to see you. Thanks for letting us be a part of it. Of course. Well, let's just go ahead and dive right in. This is part one. For those who haven't yet started to talk about their own succession, what is the ideal process? So you have your process that you worked in. Maybe there are some things you learned after that. What would you say the ideal process is? It begins with deferring to the senior pastor huh? at the time. So please. <laughs> to the old man is what you're trying to say. Well, I think we both would say the same thing, that every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. And uh, a lot of it depends upon the longevity of the previous pastor. I do think everybody should have a plan. Uh, right. Every person on staff should have a plan in, in place for what's going to happen if they get hit by a bus. And uh, you have to have that person who is kind of learning the system or you've got your eyes on. I, I'm, I work with an organization that at the end of every year, they ask the president to submit a one-page thing if something were to happen to him here's what our plan is. And, uh, you know, we don't all see it, but it's available to us if we want to. And I think it's healthy for churches to be like that. And um, in our case, you know, and in my case as well, when Bob Russell handed it to me, it was not a done deal when I got hired, just like it wasn't when Kyle came in 2002. But I knew he had incredible gifts. I knew he had, he was a great leader. Uh, and I knew that he loved the Lord and loved people. So you have them on your radar screen, and you're looking to see if this might be a fit. And then, of course, you're, you're looking for that DNA, if they have the DNA of the church. And I think that's something that a lot of times people miss out on. What do you think, Aaron? You know, I think the uh, tendency is to, and I think we'll get into this, but have this practical plan, which is helpful and needed, but the value that I know I walked into when I came on staff here and that Dave carried through is the value of the church not being built around one person or one personality. Um, that value, I think, allows for whatever the practical steps might be to move around a little. It may not be perfect, but as long as that value is in place, um, it gives you some um, it gives you some room to to negotiate, gives you some room to change things. To me, that's what's made things unique here is that it's not, it wasn't ever built around one person or one personality. That's great. That's great. And I should mention, you know, we put out word ahead of time that we were going to have you two guys together and we got an overwhelming amount of responses. People have a lot of questions, very practical questions. Some of them who are just starting to think about this, some of them who are in the midst of this. And so very practically, in an ideal situation, who's driving the succession conversation? I think it's the I think it's the older person. I think it's the whoever is the going to be the outgoing person. Uh, they're the ones who should be thinking about when they'll still have the energy, when they'll still have the effectiveness. 
lots of times people wait until their friends tell them, you know, I hear preachers say, well, my friends will let me know. Yeah. Well, Bob Russell used to say, no, they won't. Yeah. He said, you'll, you'll stay three more years past that because they won't tell you. They won't have the guts to tell you when you really have lost your effectiveness. So the, the beautiful thing in the transitions at Southeast has been that it's, it's been done ahead of time. And I, I think that that's one of the healthiest things that churches can do. But you can't do that if it's wrapped up in, in one personality. I would also add to that. Um, it's awkward when your staff is having conversations with people like us about the need to have those conversations mm -hmm. because you as the senior leader aren't having them. It's so much better if you're the one who's bringing it up, if you're the one who's initiating the conversations. And, and it, it wasn't true in Dave's case because he was proactive, but I think generally speaking, um, when you start asking the question, everyone else has already asked it. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. So if you're sitting listening to this and you're like, I wonder if I should talk about this or have some kind of plan, I, I can almost guarantee you that the people around you, the leaders around you are thinking, I wonder when he's going to talk about this or have some kind of plan. Yeah. Well, I can tell you being from Southern California in my church, you, what's happened at Southeast has really been a model you know, of what to do correctly. Of course, again, everybody would say, here's what I'd change, you know, or I'd do things a little bit differently here and there uh, after experiencing it. But with Bob Russell to then you, Dave, and then now to Kyle, uh, it seems like you guys have taken a lot of time to be intentional about these transitions. And so how, how soon, Dave, did you begin to think about that after taking over when Bob transitioned out? Yeah, it's really funny because as you're asking that question, I'm thinking back to the first time you and I met, and it was at a CIY I was speaking at. Yeah, I think Bolivar. Mm -hmm. That weird, uh, you know, the, went up the slope, went up uh, for the, the 1992. Crowd. I think. When it I think so. I think I was 16. So, that's the first time I met him, and he was a sharp high schooler then. And yeah. uh, so then I I took him to lunch at a North American. Were you a senior in high school? Yeah, I was. I think that's right. Uh, and when he's a senior in high school, I challenged him to be an intern at Southeast at some point and said, we'd love to have you be an intern. So uh, I'd love to say that that was a plan all along that I knew <laughs> I was going to end up at Southeast as a senior pastor and I knew that he was going to follow me. But that that's not true. But my point is you, you've got to be pouring into the younger generation and looking for the that next leader. It was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, the righteous person lives for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And the greatest way to influence the age of a congregation is through the age of the senior pastor. And so that's why you have to be pouring into that, that next generation and testing the waters, giving them more and more responsibilities to see if, if this is a good fit. And in our case, it was a great fit. So would you say that you guys began thinking, I mean, Kyle, even you could speak into this now, like, are you already thinking, you know, about who is going to step into the transition or when you're going to begin those conversations when it's time? for You You know, I have been on staff here for uh, 20 years. So I was a teaching pastor for, um, you know, 16 plus years, 17 years before coming into this role and position. And I can tell you, you know, maybe around, halfway point is around 2009 or 2010 i i really stopped and thought about okay is this the role that i want to be in for a while and um because what i knew wouldn't work is if i spent the next you know 10 15 years 
waiting. I didn't want to spend, I didn't want to spend my, you know, ministry years waiting for some position or title. And so what became, you know, very clear to me was I, I'm fine. Like, I, I don't need to be senior pastor. Um, Dave was l- allowing me, inviting me to be a full partner in ministry. You know, he was allowing me at the elder table. He was letting me preach a lot. He was letting me be me. And I I was good. I I wasn't looking at it and counting down the days. I, you know, and I was close enough to know, I was close enough to see what the job looked like to know it, it's a hard job. Like I, I, the longer I was in it, the more I'm like, Hey, you take your time. You, I mean, so, um, I think, you know, if someone takes a role like the one I was in and they want to be a senior pastor, um, but there's no timeline, I don't think generally that's probably a good idea. If you go into a role and you think God's calling you to be a senior pastor and that's what you want to be doing, then you probably should have some kind of timeline before going into it. Mm. For us, he was always very clear with me. Um, you know, that there, was, there wasn't a specific timeline. I, I never felt per, like something was promised to me early on. Um, I was good in the role that I was in and really grateful for the opportunities I was getting. So that, I mean, I think that allowed there to be this long runway that might not always be the wisest thing, but, uh, but for us, it worked really well. What's a little different for me now in this role is, you know, our 12 campus pastors in some ways really carry some of the weight that I carried for Dave. Like, um, you know, we, we didn't have a, a lot of campus pastors until, you know, the last few years before the transition. But, but I'll, I'll tell you where I saw this is when he announced um, that he was going to be transitioning uh, out of that role. I was at uh, Blankenbaker, our broadcast campus, to hear that. And there was like this audible. <laughs> I was sitting with my wife and I hear this, <gasps> which is not awesome like if you're the next guy up you're like <laughs> there's this audible yeah, I think gas su- i think they were surprised surprised yeah, was- it was in the back secretly <laughs> yeah they were surprised <laughs> at, at who because i hadn't said that yet they were surprised at when so yeah they just no, they, they were yeah because yeah. they I, know, I know he could have gone another 10 years I know right i know where you're going with that. uh but then i go to that same day i go to our one of our campuses and i'm listening to it at one of our campuses and you know, they pretty much took it in stride, which I consider to be a very healthy sign. If their campus pastor would have gotten up and said, hey, I'm going to be transitioning out of this role, I think there would have been a more audible gasp. I think they wouldn't have been. But, but with Dave and I, we, we'd both been teaching a lot and preaching a lot. And so the stability of that campus uh, was largely anchored by the the campus pastor in that position. And and I thought that was really healthy. It, it it um, it means that the campus pastors are carrying a fair amount of the weight of it not being built around one person or one personality. But even now, like I teach maybe thirty six times this year, and and we have um, we have some other you know consistent voices. Yeah, seems like uh, maybe because they have the relationship where they're seeing each other week to week, uh, that would be that would be a little bit easier for them. Even though I feel like with Dave. Everyone feels like they have a relationship with him, right? <laughs> so that, I can see why that transition was was difficult for a lot of people. Just kind of talking a little bit more about uh, the the timing of transition and the handoff. It sounds like 
um, from what you guys were saying from the beginning, it wasn't necessarily promised uh, to you, Kyle. So how much did the two of you talk about the timing of transition on the front end? And then how closely did you stick to that once you kind of had a plan together? Well, um, we didn't talk much about it at all on the front end. I, I, uh, I mean, it was. You made a, you made a, like a three-year commitment to me, three mm-hmm. to five years. Yeah, I think that's right. So you'd help me through the transition. And at that stage, that's all I could have hoped for. Mm. But, um, you know, God knew I, I needed him. I needed him. I needed him from friendships standpoint too mm. because this guy That's had my he had my back transitions aren't always easy and mm. my first year was uh, a tough one uh, for me and kyle and the elders and uh, darren walter our executive pastor they they couldn't have been they they just stood with me and we lost you know we lost over a thousand people in the first year so that's a real ego boost, you know, uh, Hey, Dave solved the parking problem, <laughs> uh, but he was right there with me. And, uh, since he had seen this transition of sharing the pulpit, we didn't have to talk about it. It just kept going well. And the more he stayed, I will tell you this four or five years before I was going to leave, I went to him and said, I'm going to leave in 2019. And, you know, I'd love to hand this off to you. And I didn't tell anybody. Uh, my wife knew. And then I told Kyle, and Kyle said, I'm not sure I want it. Wow. And, um, and I said, man, look at how it's changed to fit my personality. And you can do the same thing. You remember that? Mm-hmm. You just were, you know, I'm not certain that this is what I want to do. He'd seen the stress. He'd seen, you know, I do things differently than he does. Bob did things differently than I do. And, uh, so it was neat. I think about the next year, um, he really, I won't put words in your mouth. I think God just let you know in your heart, this is the place. Yeah, I, I that's a great, hmm. like the timing of that is hard for me to circle a uh, burning bush moment. Like, hmm. like I don't have very many uh, moments where I can look back and say, okay, that's when I knew God was calling me to this. I, I do think when he first approached me with it, I was reluctant, partly because I had been really intentional to not let myself um, think that way or put myself in that seat or in that position very often, um, mostly because I knew that wouldn't be healthy. I, I knew that what makes me want to do that at that point would have been more ego and pride stuff. It wasn't because God wasn't using me. It wasn't because, you know, it would have been more title position. And I, and so I really worked hard personally at not making it about that role or that position. And so when he, when he talked to me about that, I was, uh, to be honest, I was reluctant to uh, believe him, not because I didn't think he was telling the truth, but just because, you know, that was, that was, four or five years before we did it. And, you know, I'm looking at him thinking, uh, you've, you know, you've got a long time left. Uh, you you know, I knew his effectiveness could, could easily, you you know, be reaching into, you know, many years past that. So, um, so I, I think I, I was a a little bit hesitant to, but that seed, him planting that seed, I will say that that was a great encouragement to me to begin thinking and praying about that way. And, 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 and I, I probably needed that. I, I, I think hearing him express that in a clear way 
even though a, t a plan wasn't attached to it, spoke some courage and calling into me for the position. Yeah, just just going a little bit further on that too, Dave. Uh, even though you spotted some key things in Kyle at a really early age um, that sparked up a relationship and maybe even a mentorship to some degree, how did you know that Kyle was right for this? Well, I, to be honest, I didn't know until he had been on staff for a while because, you know, there's different things you're looking for. You're, you're looking for the uh, communication skills. You're looking for leadership ability. Um, and that's why I love what you just said. See, he and I have never really talked about this part of it. What we just talked about this first time we've ever done an interview together about succession um since the succession and uh just you're talking about that because he's he was so good at being the number two guy and he was so supportive i know what you mean you can't let your mind go there mm -hmm. or else you start chomping at the bit yeah. or when's he going to be out and i can really you know unleash some of the ideas that i have but he was always so loyal loyalty is one of his greatest characteristics mm -hmm. but um the other thing I wanted to see was I wanted to see how he loved people. And we wanted to see if he felt like this was a place that he could really pastor the folks here. And obviously we saw that. Um, and he has a heart for evangelism. And our personalities are different and our styles are different. But there are those core things that you're looking for. I'm, I was looking for in, in a successor. Visionary leadership, compelling communicator, love for God's word hard for others, uh, uh, a humble spirit. And so as time went on, it just became kind of natural. And I, I didn't have an epiphany either. I just, it just gradually, this is the man. Yeah. From the time that you, you guys made an agreement, you know, Kyle comes around to the idea, feels, you know, God's calling him to that. Um, what was that timeline like very practically? So you guys make this agreement together that, you know, that's what you're moving towards. When do you start letting people know? And then how many years was it until that handoff happened? I told two elders, two, our current chairman and a former chairman at the three-year mark uh, when I was three years out. Um, I told some of my pastoral friends, a very small circle of three or four guys uh, at the two-year mark. And I told another chairman of the elders um, when we were about a year and a half, two years out. And then uh, we started actually uh, sharing it with all the elders about nine months out. But again, every situation is different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then about, I know at one point, Dave, you had even shared... Um, when you guys were in the midst of this kind of this um it came a point where you were kind of shifting off responsibilities right you guys had a, a good amount of time planned out where okay i'm going to preach this much then he's going to preach this could you give a little bit of detail around what that looked like well that's i think this might be helpful for for all churches regardless of the size of the church and and that is if you're looking at somebody to elevate them in some position at the church Give them more and more responsibility. Uh, give them tougher assignments. Give them some leadership. People didn't know how good of a leader he was because the first few years he didn't have a whole lot of leadership responsibilities. So I kept giving him more. He flourished in those. He did well with those. And he also was a team player. He's a collaborator. So uh, I, was, I was looking for that. Um, our last year, I think our last 12 months, you may have preached 
more than I did even. But that's what we just did. We just did a gradual. I think I would give him one more weekend, you know, each year. And yeah. and so it was it was a, a very gradual process to where they saw him leading. And, and that's how they get their arms around another person is seeing that person. And I, I would say um, as important as the practical things of, uh, you know, entrusting some re responsibilities to the person is just being invited to the table really helped me. I, I always felt like that I could say, Hey, I'd like to sit in on this or, or, Hey, can I talk to you about this decision? Or let me give you my thoughts on this direction. Um, you know, pretty early on after his transition, you know, he, he, uh, pushed for me to be an elder along with him instead of just being at the in the elder room to actually be a part of that which in our context is a is a significant um statement of trust um and and then i i would say that as as we were walking through that and you know as the years got closer um i i know there were times where he he would say he would say to uh, you know hey why don't you let kyle make that decision or we there might be a significant staffing position hey why, why don't you see what what Kyle thinks about and and by passing the ball that way was you know uh, that was really that was a really significant um statement to me really you know felt empowering and and maybe as much as anything kept me from being frustrated mm -hmm. I, I I think um I would have been I think I would have been frustrated if um if he wasn't so conscious about that but um you know I, I always felt i always felt like a full partner in that um which which goes a long way it made a big difference hey case yeah. yeah, go ahead i'm just gonna throw one thing in uh, yeah. and, and maybe you're wrapping up I'll, I'll be quick but you know one one thing that was really cool that i got to do with kyle because bob russell did it with me was giving them some of the bigger platforms at times. And I remember the first time Bob Russell came to me, it was our very first weekend in, in this new facility here. And it was Christmas Eve and, you know, we'd taken four years to build this building. And he and I shared the first sermon together. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Christmas Eve, which yeah. is just kind of unheard of. And so uh, what Bob did for me was for a long time and, and for every pastor who's listening out there, every preacher, um, I think it's healthy for for your church to see you when you're seated there and you're in town and somebody else is preaching. I think the first year or so people thought, Oh, he's preaching because Bob's out of town. And then I remember one time Bob sat in the front row for every one of the services wow. and people are like, Oh, you're in town. Well, why are they preaching? Well, it was his turn. And that's such a healthy thing for a church to see. And he was sending a very clear message. And so I, I think you did Easter like my third year. Yeah. Maybe your yeah. fourth year. Yeah, like that's that. A, that that is true. You did not give me all the bad weekends. We traded off on the uh you know, derby on the down weekend. derby weekend and fourth of July weekend and time you know change. time change weekend. You know, we traded those off and and you would give me Easter on occasion and Mother's Day. And then we got to where we really enjoyed doing some of those weekends together. And so we would often often do that uh together. Well, we've gotten a lot of questions about overlap, and we'll probably um, ha have us uh, wrap up after this one and move to part two. Um, but a lot of questions about overlap, 
how you guys manage that shift in primary vision casting uh, being being something that a lot of people have questions about. So, you know, do you do building project campaigns or not before you pass the baton? Uh, how much of that did you guys work through ahead of time? Dave, how mindful of uh, of that were you before you passed the baton to Kyle uh, and Kyle vice versa? Were you itching to um, push a, a new vision in a certain season? Yeah, so in, in, in our case, because it was so gradual, uh, we didn't have a capital campaign. Uh, we always made certain that whenever we've had a transition here, we've had the same chairman of the elders. So we had the same chairman the year before the transition, the same chairman in the transition year, and the same chairman the year after. We think that helps with continuity. As far as initiatives... And I, can I just jump in there and yeah. say it was someone that we both yes. felt really good about in that role. And, um, and I, think that, I think that helped a lot. Great, great point. And uh, so what we did was actually, since we both bought into the vision uh, that, that we kind of decided on when of going multi-site, um, he hit the ground running. But we, for instance, I'm trying to think of Prospect Campus. We started meeting there three months before I left. And then uh, the next month after I left, he got to announce that in in a sense, you're looking for wins. You need you need wins when you're the new person coming in. And so this guy went on a rampage with opening campuses the next couple of next year before COVID and really sent a very clear message. We're staying on task here. We're going to connect people to Jesus and one another one at a time. And that kind of became a mantra. And and the book. And a book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, I, one of the things I would say is, you know, Dave worked hard at not having a, uh, you know, this, I think you would use the language of lame duck season, right? Like from the time you announce it to the church, to the time you look, but I would say to some degree, you need to expect it that, and that it's not bad. Like if, it probably felt more awkward to him than it did to me or to the rest of the church. Um, uh, he probably felt the tension of that more than I did. Um, but from the moment you announce it, you know, there is, I don't know what the timetable is exactly, but it's shorter than you think of uh, where, where people start, uh, you know, emotionally looking, uh, okay, so where are we going? What's next? I, I saw this, especially with the staff. Oh, so this was huge. I got to sit and watch Bob and Dave transition. And I remember very well being in a meeting where after Bob had announced the transition, something came up and the staff around the table instinctively looked to over to Dave and mm. I was at the table too, but they looked today. They didn't, nobody did it on purpose. Dave was, in fact, Dave was working hard to not say too much too soon. And, and then I remember after he announced it, being in a meeting and experiencing that same dynamic where suddenly the, you know, staff who uh, a few weeks before would have been looking to him, um, looked over to me. And, and so I, I don't, you know, no one told them to do that. You just, once that gets announced and made public, you just instinctively start to, to, um, to, to do that. And I think it's good to expect it so that, you know, that doesn't feel personal. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't um, create any walls between us, but it's just part of the, part of the process. 
Well, this has been great. Part one, I feel like could go on for hours. Uh, just hearing about the process you guys worked and then, um, you know, just personally about how you manage this on your own and together. Um, in our part two, we're going to get to talk more about how life has been after this transition. And so uh, for anyone who's watching or listening, uh, definitely make sure you make it to part two uh, once that's out. Is there anything more you guys would want to touch on before we wrap up regarding the process that you worked or just um, you know prior to the handoff and all the way up to that handoff? Hey, Casey, I'd say in part two, ask us what we did wrong because we can answer it. We can answer that too. Yeah. <laughs> I, will do, I will do that. Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll save mine for, for part two because it's something that Bob Russell said to me uh, after I had been at Southeast for one year. And I asked him what it was like um, letting somebody share the pulpit with him. I'll share that in part two as well. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Make sure you tune in, guys. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for sitting down and talking through all of that with us. Uh, and also remember, anyone who's listening, watching right now, if you haven't yet bought your tickets for Spire Conference 2023, you're going to want to do that September 26th through the 28th. Hundreds of ministry leaders just like Dave and Kyle are going to gather together for a three-day leadership event where you will be able to connect, collaborate, and be encouraged for a new ministry season. So register your team at spire.network forward slash Spire Conference. Thanks again for joining us today and tune in for part two. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.